0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Psychosocial Distancing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Chadbourne. With me, as always, is Thomas Brooks. We're back. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's been a minute. I I had that horrid realization when I asked you, it was like, what, two weeks ago at this point, like, when should we have started our summer season? You were like last week.
1: (laughs) No, we took a little bit of a break because our world was
0: burning down. Yes, between fires and end of semester, which is just metaphorical burning, um, mm-hmm. everything in between. It's been a it's been a wild couple of weeks. It has because usually we keep it
1: together through the end of the semester and keep recording, but when the fires broke out and it got a little you know spooky, I ended up just hauling all of my tech from the house to my office up at the school, and I was like, "Well, we're not doing anything until." Yeah. The uh, you know we can see the sun again, <laughs> and so
0: the sun is back and <sighs> the is
1: back in my office yeah. at home.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we're it's still only like fifty percent contained at right. the time of this recording. So maybe it'll be better next week when we publish this. But um, yeah,
1: so but yeah, no, now we are starting our summer session. And, um,
0: and speaking of like acts of God, ooh fires and storms and whatnot
1: and plagues and And war and (laughs) locusts
0: everything in between uh we're we're gonna talk about religion
1: we are it's been a long time coming i feel like we've been kind of talking about religion for most of the series and now we're actually sitting down and doing a deep dive into the psychology of religion
0: yeah, I think this is going to officially start what I'm going to call our year of clickbait. Ooh. And, and Psych of Religion, I think, is just going to um, kick it off. hmm So, yes. yeah.
1: So, what to say about Psych of Religion, <laughs> I mean... I think for this first episode, we're going to stick to, like, how psychology deals with religion, and to be perfectly honest, I found that they don't do it very well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it really depends on what field of psychology you're in, and, like, Mm -hmm. specifically if you're in, like, psych of religion, Um, but there are, I know of at least one clinical program that uses a lot of, like, theistic, kind of interweaves, like, some theology, not in terms of, like, theology to help you learn to be a counselor but more of like it's a christian university Mm. that has like a doctoral program in clinical psychology and so it's not i need to find it um but no it's uh it's it's kind of interesting because you could have individuals who um are either ministers or um who who have been kind of involved in the church could like that's kind of a program that kind of caters to to them, and they kind of interweave theology and like history of religion and and the the kind of deep dive into the like analysis of biblical text, but also teach like cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> and right. uh, modern um, psych techniques, and so it's it's uh, kind of an interesting. But that's not how we typically look at religious <laughs> psychology, yes. though.
1: I mean, to be fair. I find that relieving that that exists because a lot of times ministers are expected to serve as counselors. Yes. And they don't have any training whatsoever in doing that. It's very yeah. trial and error. And so even like good natured ministers don't necessarily have the tools in the toolbox to live up to the social role that they inhabit. So I like that right. that, that program exists.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and then there are other fields. Like I would argue that like evolutionary psych has tapped into some like religious system studies, but mostly from an anthropological and a historical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Which is also, as I moved away from that and started tapping into psych of religion, I learned is not <laughs> typically a psych of religion studies religion. Mm-hmm. So. I guess I'll, I'll I'll let you answer that question. How, how does psych of religion study religion?
1: Well, it does it in a lot of different ways. Um, so psych of religion is kind of like a hodgepodge of different subfields of psych, all kind of vying on the same topic with different perspectives. And so there are let's see one, two, three, four, five, six major perspectives on religion within psychology that all kind of compete amongst each other. Um, First, you have like the Durkheim School, which says that religion's an adaptation that fosters social solidarity and coordinates social behavior for group benefits. And so this area of psych looks, it's very similar to social psych and probably Mm -hmm. our evolutionary psych. It's very functionalist. It's like religion is a way for people to communicate with each other, share symbols, uh, work on group identity and belonging and curate societies and civilizations within these constructs, Um, which is a very positive view of religion that that area takes, right? Like this is a functional thing that humans do in order to human, which I feel like intuitively that's kind of the dominant view of religion and psychology is that it's looked at as this like social behavioral uh, grouping mechanism too.
0: Yeah, maybe that's something that we could touch on in like future episodes as well, because I think there's a lot involving like, and I think this, this mainly looks at it from an early perspective. So when you look mm-hmm. at like early Christianity or what would become Christianity a lot of the argument as to why it's a dominant religious structure or religious system has to do with the social norms of the system, Mm -hmm. helping other people, lots of reciprocity uh, as opposed to more, I guess, selfish religious systems and in tough times, which of those survive Mm -hmm. Uh, or uh, ritual behavior uh, being, being one of the ways that we kind of bond together. And so, What started as that has kind of evolved over time to, I mean, even most modern churches have ritual acts. You're saying the same thing, you're chanting, you're singing the same songs, you're kind of engaging in this communal activity. And ultimately, it's pretty positive. I mean, what we see that being a part of that, there are other aspects that, think of that Gordon Alport quote, that religion is this great paradox, that it brings people together and it can divide them. Um, just kind of depending on how it's used and so i see a lot of that like that positive behavior um, or um like a lot of the research on prayer really coincides with like meditation and so if you can enter a meditative state you're probably going to receive some sort of cognitive benefit from that whether it be buddhist meditation or prayer in a church doing the rosary right Right. Yeah. If you can enter that kind of flow state almost oh, whatever, it's, it's not a flow state, but whatever. You can enter that sort of heightened cognitive. State, mm-hmm. um, it comes with a lot of positive benefits, um, but it doesn't really matter how you're meditating as long mm-hmm. as you're meditating.
1: Right. Exactly. And so that's I feel like is the major perspective in terms of religion. There is a counter. Um, or a foil so the other option is that religion is just an incidental byproduct of other adaptive cognitive processes and so you mix all of our cognitive processes up together and then voila you get religion and belief in supernatural entities and so uh, this school points to things like agent detection theory Mm -hmm. of mind attachment stuff like that and says that religion just comes out of these functions that are adaptive, but the religion itself isn't adaptive.
0: There's a, um, the story that I use, and I think I pulled it from a, a book about like kind of modern perspectives of religion, talking about why people believe. Mm. And one of the things that came out of that was um, I use it to talk about type one, type two error. Mm. And so we're kind of primed cognitively, To make more type one errors in general. Mm -hmm. So we see the bushes rustling could be a tiger. um, And if we assume it's a tiger and it's not, we still live. Right. But if we make that type two error um, and it ends up being a tiger, tiger. like we're dead. Um, And so it's sort of like, there's an evolutionary advantage to uh having type one error and that that it again gets into like agent detection and what is behind stuff and so it's not just that the wind is blowing the bush but there is a a force a physical tangible intelligent force blowing the bush and so that's type one error because if we're right then we we gonna heaven, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and if we're wrong um then that's fine like Right. We still just go throughout our lives, and it's not really a detriment to think that there's, like, Apollo pulling the sun. There's no real right. downside to being wrong with that, um, besides maybe, like, in a modern sense, maybe having someone be like, oh, you know, I'm looking at your list, like, we're going to get to Dawkins. So <laughs> 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 having someone being like, you're dumb, like, or, or like, you know, that's that's absurd that you would think that. Um, but there's no real evolutionary disadvantage
1: Right. It's because, I mean, let's be fair. If you believe that Apollo is pulling the sun, somebody else is going to believe that pa- Apollo is pulling the sun and you can still reproduce and spread your genes. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially with the, the advent of the internet. You can easily find the people now mm-hmm. who believe that Apollo is pulling the sun and um, you guys can go on and, and have kids together.
1: Yes. Apollo the, worshipers. Which, the uh Apollinians yeah. <laughs> of the internet. <laughs> so that's the other um, argument in psych is that yeah. religion's either adaptive or it's just a byproduct of adaption. On the other hand, you have Dawkins, and so <laughs> religion is a meme, but it's like this is more of a negative perspective on this, and so yeah. it's not just a meme, but it's like a parasitic meme. Um that uses human minds to replicate itself through infinity. And so religion exists outside of whether or not humans want it to, if it's helpful for them, if it's not helpful for them, that doesn't matter. It exists as a meme and will continue as long as humans are breathing.
0: I think this also kind of ties into the leaning towards it as a byproduct of an adaptive process. Mm-hmm. It is a byproduct of the way, way that our brains have evolved. Or that our culture has evolved. And because it's Dawkins, it's not a good thing. No. Uh, It ultimately does more harm than good. As opposed to where the the Bloom um, approach would be more... It's it's neutral. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's not necessarily good, it's not necessarily bad. But it's like, it's neutral. Uh, It's Mm. just, it's there.
1: Whereas Dawkins is like, these damn parasitic memes... (laughs)
0: Yeah. I, I,
1: I, Rotten your brain.
0: Someone hurt him as a kid. Like, ah! he's, he's got a... No, I mean... But I mean that, like, trying to understand why he is so, like... Like, when I think of, like, a militant atheist. Mm-hmm. Like, Dawkins is up there. But it's like... Dawkins has had some, like, trauma with the church. Like, there's... I'm not saying that's the reason he's an atheist. I'm just, like, right. the reason he's an angry atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are plenty of of atheists who are just like just go and do your thing like mm-hmm. I just let me let me be um but dawkins is very like in your face um and i and i just i always wonder i'm like what i don't want to know because i don't need you know need to know but there's always a part of me it's like maybe like something's there
1: maybe something's there um so there's the meme theory yeah. uh beyond Dawkins it gets more negative with Freud so this is a uh, not just a parasite but it's an infantile psychopathology that is religion and so for Freud it is a religion serves the purpose of you not dealing with your superego and like coming into balance and so you use religion as a crutch in order to sustain yourself without actually like dealing with the break between your ego and your superego
0: yeah I'm trying to think of that in like context of, of... because if the ego is basically the self and the superego is that kind of morality principle and so if you're not able to cope with that morality principle on an internal level mm-hmm. then you find an external way to push you and, and yep. to, to, in, in a moral direction
1: yep and so and the superego comes out of the uh, Oedipus complex and so you could be argued that if you don't pass the Oedipus, Oedipus complex in a healthy way that you then have to rely on the church to be your daddy because your superego wasn't born through the, the trauma of the Oedipus
0: the big bearded daddy in the sky yes that so, that could that clip could be taken out of context. I don't.
1: The big bearded daddy in this. That no, that is our title. Thank you. The big,
0: okay, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, that'll work. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's the uh, Freudian aspect: is that we're looking at religion as a like social as a crutch because you don't have the capacity to self-regulate and do the right thing.
0: So it was like Freud not because I was I, well. Freud was culturally jewish Mm -hmm. but i mean maybe according to this maybe maybe not practices
1: maybe not i don't know so that's that and this was also so i do want to dispel a myth so when i was reading up on the different perspectives freud was paired with uh marx on uh the religion being a a bad thing because people typically attribute marks to the uh op- religions, the opium of the people or the masses,
0: opium of the masses, yeah,
1: opium of the masses. And so, this is and this is what we can talk about in our next episode when we get our historian back is people creating a bias from the present to the past, right. And so, as present 21st century humans, we see opium and think like opioid crisis, escapism, numbing, stuff like that.
0: It's a like medicine. Marx was
1: writing that, it was a yeah. medicine. Yeah. And so, yeah. I would not throw Marx into the category of Freud. I would not say he's a pro-religious person, but... I would not say he took nearly as a uh, venomous perspective as, as right. Freud, or Dawkins about it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Or, I mean, I didn't think of it that way.
1: hmm Yeah. So, be careful with your historical interpretation, kids. <laughs> What's our addiction was Granny's cough syrup.
0: <laughs> I mean, because it had heroin in it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So that's that. Pretty much rounds out. I would say that Freud, Dawkins, and then to a lesser extent Bloom and Marx have the more negative read on religion. Um, and then we kind of move into back to more positive views with the uh, existentialism. So we have our terror management theory, of course, um, which says that religion is a uniquely powerful form of existential security. Yeah, and so. They argue that because humans have an innate gift to predict their own deaths, that fills us with dread. And so we have to spend our lives keeping that dread at bay and out of our consciousness at all costs. Um, And so religion provides two key ingredients uh, that help us deal with our death anxiety. The first one is a tradition and practice which puts us in a historical context that we can look back in time and find commonalities and camaraderie with people who have already died. And then it also gives us an afterlife. And so it provides a way for us to cheat death. So we can go, yeah, we're gonna die, but we're not really gonna die, right? So the TNT folks are looking at this from a uh, soothing of existential crises kind of perspective that religion, is kind of like a uh, check and balance to our adaptive cognitive functions. And so if we think of your tiger in the bushes example, like we know that there might be a tiger in the bush, which then would signal our future death. But if there's not a tiger in the bush or if there's a tiger in the bush, but we don't wanna have that anxiety about the tiger in the bush, then we can use religion as a way to buffer that anxiety between us and the moving bush.
0: Yeah, that um, makes a lot of sense, especially because like even when you look at like a lot of major uh, belief systems, there's there's some afterlife, or something that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of interesting to get into kind of the terror management side of, of of what happens when people come to terms with, yeah, like I'm just gonna become one with the earth, but even like that could be seen as a form of afterlife, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're just, you're helping to continue the natural cycle of things. And that could be relieving that like, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna help grow a tree or I'm gonna help um, continue life on this planet. Mm
1: -hmm. I will say that TMT doesn't treat all belief systems equally. And so there are certain criteria by which we can measure like, does this worldview provide enough terror management to be successful in this role? And so they definitely give primacy to religious belief mm-hmm. systems over secular ones Yeah. Uh, because like a literal afterlife is going to be way more powerful than right. you trying to walk through like decomposition <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a positive yeah. way. Um, but even amongst religions, there's differences, right? So like Christianity is obviously going to be more powerful because there's stronger group norms and historical yeah. contexts there yeah. as opposed to like, I don't know, wiccanism which is a relatively new religious uh context and so you only have 100 years of people actually believing this and practicing this as opposed to like 2000 and so not all belief systems are treated equally within the tmt so whereas like durkheim and bloom and dawkins and freud would all be like religion is religion and then people use it as a crutch or as an adaption for any circumstance tmt is like oh, let's be a little bit more discerning about like how is this structure functioning to serve this existential need um and then judging it based off of that
0: i mean as the social psychologist i would probably side with that a little bit you know, that that not every religion would be created equal that mm-hmm. um, they would have different aspects, dependent on the norms, dependent on the culture, dependent on the time. Um, might be why you see some kind of newer uh, age adaptations of older religions, so like, right? Like Norse paganism, uh, for example, taking a lot of those those old beliefs and old rituals, and then kind of bringing them into a modern realm. I mean, arguably you could say that it's never really stopped uh, in some form, but
1: um, but there's like a draw there because it's pre-christian and so right. it might be stronger to think that, that you're going to valhalla right yeah then that you're gonna go to heaven and have your mansion with uh jesus and all of your deceased loved ones yes mm-hmm. um you could even probably say like within like the chinese sphere so they believe that they go to an afterlife with their ancestors that mirrors the present world and so they're actually doing like funerals and offerings for the ancestors. they actually burn fake money. Um, so that way their parents can have money to spend on necessities in the afterlife. And so that might even be stronger because it's not as fantastical, right? Like that's actually a tangible reality that we deal with that thing gets reflected in the afterlife.
0: But there are cases where that, like that still hasn't gone away. Like we still do that in certain Christian, burials mm. where you know you're like all right i'm gonna make sure like you know grandpa's buried with his pack of smokes and his right. uh, his his belt buckle and his his favorite pair of boots or something like that because like it's tied to him so one it could be like a connection thing but that could even arguably just be a layover from you know when we were burying people with prominent goods or burying warriors with their weapons um uh, you know on on one hand, there's a connection there, but it also ties into the uh, possibly bringing those things into the afterlife or having those mm-hmm. things with them uh, as they move forward.
1: Right. I mean, I will say that if you go into any Asian grocery store, you can buy a stack of bills and uh, usually it's like their cookware slash partyware, slash hosting slash, tea ceremony set area and they always have like massive stacks of bills that are all like wrapped up together and you can buy them for like three bucks um, and then you can burn them to send them to your relatives.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, I have some in my office. I'll show them to you. When we're yeah. But the school again. They're way cool. I'm
0: gonna have to look for that next time.
1: So, um, and then I think the last one, the major area is we have our dear friend Yoon who bucks all the rest and argues that religion is the externalization of the God archetype and that we need it in order to mature into our actual selves and so we need to externalize our internal archetype of God in order to come to terms with the violent duality of the world,
0: You see why him and Freud didn't get along,
1: <laughs> right?
0: But this kind of makes sense to me, uh, at least from some of the stuff that I've read. Uh, that, there, that there is an argument, um, even in, in some of the mo- more more modern than Jung um, writings, about the idea of the the idea of God being an internalized Mm -hmm. shaker and that that in itself because what or who god is could be different for everyone involved that would make it you know real Mm -hmm. um, but for that person and that maybe there are some commonalities or some like social uh norms that kind of tie into like like a collective view of god and so then that could become a more tangible like you know the, the old bearded daddy in the sky Hmm.
1: Um, I mean, I th- I would say that you would argue that we all share the same God archetype because it's our uh I don't know what would it be our uh, heritage as humans. Yeah, we all share that, but that our egos interact with that archetype differently.
0: Well, it would also get kind of get into like some of Yoon's thoughts on like how we see similarities across religious systems. It's like every now and then that meme pops up on the Internet of like how Jesus and what is it, Osiris are like they have very similar stories. I'm like, well, yeah, if you going to pick and choose, they have very similar stories or that, you know, Zeus is just God. Like, it's just it's, it's a big bearded guy in a toga. Like,
1: I will say about Osiris and Jesus at the time of early christianity there were actually several uh salvation cults that popped up in all the major religions in mm-hmm. greece and persia and egypt and uh with the israelites and they all had a uh love feast and so uh the sacrament or the last supper last supper no. yeah the last supper that's now communion um mm-hmm all of them shared that and all of their deities were sons of major creation deities that all died in order for their followers to get to the afterlife.
0: So I mean, it is very likely that Osiris and, and Jesus share. Because yes. They're, they're being pulled from the same stories or the same commonalities. and that, The yeah.
1: same like zeitgeist of the era yeah. that people were really into their, uh, savior deities
0: that's almost like saying like you know the story of noah has a lot to do with the epic of gilgamesh i'm like they're arguably the same story Mm -hmm. uh but we're just we're we're detached by time and so source of that story becomes a little more confusing where where it comes from we can't really trace that back without someone who is there
1: Right. And it could just be possible that the two stories may have a similar root, but that they emerged in different places because yeah. the culture shared a zeitgeist and a commerce amongst themselves. And so they have different flavors to their stories, but they could still be similar. So yeah. all that to say is that, I don't know if Yoon's interpretation of it's all the same entity re-emerging is accurate as much as it could just be that there's an ebb and flow of religious movements, that tend to share commonalities amongst themselves because they emerge at the same historical time
0: and there would also be the idea that that, that kind of collective unconscious like even on a social level like, that, that would kind of you know that if, they're, if they're emerging or there's some if there is a flood and that there are people on kind of either side of the river who experienced that flood they could easily come up with a, another story about overcoming adversity rebirth of the world kind of thing.
1: I oh, they're called mystery cults, not savior cults. And I'm going to double check real quick because uh I think the Greek one was Apollo.
0: <laughs> that would make sense. I mean, it makes sense. Apollo is is you know, the god of the sun, light, uh both like healing and what well, not, and you know, pestilence. Apollo's a weird God I think it's <laughs>
1: Apollo confirms that I think I'm just making a uh, it could be the attribution uh,
0: error the Roman the Roman variation of Apollo so it wouldn't be Apollo it would be um, Helios oh. yeah so but I don't know.
1: <laughs> I digress. So that is, I think those are our major, I can't really think of any other, like that's pretty, like if you're going to get into psychic religion, you're probably going to fall into one of those categories. Yeah. And I think that tracks with what we intend on doing for the rest of the semester, um, at least in our discussions, we'll highlight different aspects of these constellations. Some of them are more, um i don't know synergistic with each other than others like i think you can argue that Dawkins' theory can run and operate throughout all of these uh perspectives yeah. if you take out like the negative connotations but just religion as a meme i think is a
0: yeah.
1: good through line um i think Yoon and terror management theory jive well together as well as the Durkheim view that, like, there's something, like, it's either a personal psychological benefit, so, like, it's the uh, collective unconscious operating in a way to help the individual either, you know, come to terms with the chaos of reality, or it's a motive to, or it's a, like, tool to overcome existential anxiety, or it's a tool to, you know, find group belonging and protection within your, like, you know, niche, um those all kind of work together with different flavors of variants
0: i mean you could also argue that freud's is a tool to help us cope with ego with with uh you know edible failure yeah like it is a it is a tool to help us continue to exist within the world uh where we might be dealing with some sort of issue so whether Mm -hmm. that issue be existential threat or security um belonging Right, right. Wanting, wanting to be a part of a larger group, dealing with these kind of internal struggles. Um, I mean, that would basically people were kind of dealing with. We, we, we struggle with how we view the father figure, and so we project the ultimate projection mm-hmm. of the father figure in the sky.
1: So I don't see a lot of Freud or Jung in modern. No. of religion. Um, I did find an article by uh, I'm gonna butcher this name Palaucian and Park, 2021, which pretty much goes through and butchers the present day psycho religion that it's a uh, immature field and it hasn't really been able to come together uh methodologically or epistemologically that it's kind of like all over the place and existing Mm -hmm. in different realms which is fair i think based off of our review of major theories that uh that is apt
0: well because it also modern psych of religion includes those six that we just talked about but it also includes anyone who's doing anything that involves religious groups yes and so, if you're doing social psychology with a religious cohort, well, you're doing psycho religion stuff. Mm-hmm. And it might have nothing to do theoretically with someone else who's doing personality psych or right. behavioral examinations or evolutionary psych. And so, it's all, yeah, it's, it's easy to find it all over the place.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, they argue, well, So they argue that the term religion shouldn't even be used for psychologists. And this is where we get into this weird like dynamic of like disciplinary versus interdisciplinariness, right? Mm -hmm. So they say that religion is a cultural term so that it would necessarily belong in history, anthropology, sociology, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that we need to be looking at the term religiousness or i guess religiosity i've seen that as well right because that term connotates or connotes qualities of affect behavior and cognition which then gives us the constructs in order to test and manipulate it whereas the
0: religion itself we can't really deal with as psychologists social psychologist your identity with your religious group um or the religious the cultural and, and again i could argue yeah I, I could agree with that religion is a cultural term like you grow up as a part of a religion it is a culture it is a it is a set of norms um that is in or it is tied to other cultures so we could say you know as americans most a lot of us grew up in religious systems. Mm-hmm. Even if you grew up in a non-religious family, you're in a religious environment, despite mm-hmm. what some religious people would say. Like, they're a very dominant <laughs> force in the world. Or in the United States, especially. Um, especially Christianity, mainly Christianity. Um, and that even if you grew up Muslim or Jewish in the United States, you're still growing up in a Christian environment. Um, and so you're influenced laws are written and 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 influenced by this and so it is a very cultural system um but then we could look at how that cultural system might compare to other or you know how growing up in a consistent versus an inconsistent family like so but no i mean i guess i can i can get behind them saying all right religion is a cultural system but that doesn't mean we couldn't also say like its origins um, it wasn't always like, christianity wasn't always a dominant religious system uh monotheism wasn't always a dominant religious view
1: technically it's monoleatric
0: monoleatric
1: yeah, so the belief in multiple gods but the primacy given to one
0: oh so yeah there so <laughs> there is one, but it is also three. <laughs>
1: Well, no, it's, or, uh, it goes back to the Job, Book of Job, oh. where God has his uh, heavenly hosts and other deities that he consults with, but Christians only do the Yahweh creator God. It's also kind of a uh, callback to how different city-states had different patron
0: gods. Yes. yeah, okay.
1: And so, like, Christians don't deny that Baal exists. They just think he's evil and we don't worship him.
0: That's, that's That's good old. That's good old fashioned Old Testament stuff, which uh-huh. I would say in, in in modern Christian circles you don't delve into nearly as well. well. Christians Depending. don't
1: even know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they don't even know they're maliatric, but they are.
0: Well, but like we we do have that in Catholicism. Mm. We have we have all the saints, mm-hmm. and those are your individual patrons that uh, you get to pick and choose. But you who, don't worship them. But you do pray to them.
1: But you do pray to them, but they're not the supreme deity.
0: They're not supreme deity. Absolutely. Yeah. But but you do pray to them because they exist within spheres of power. Right. It's, the more and more I think about it, the more I'm like, wait a second.
1: So it's monoleatric in that, yeah. that you only acknowledge one supreme being. But there are other beings that are acknowledged so um but yeah no i don't remember where that was going but all that <laughs> to say
0: is interesting i think i think social
1: psych has a nice little runaround yeah because like we can like you said religious identity yeah but that takes that's not even necessarily looking at the religion it's looking at how that reli- how that identity right. is manifested within cognition right. affect and behavior so yeah. i think that that line works well i think that's where the terror management folks go with
0: it yeah i think i can get behind religion as a cultural term whereas like religiosity or religious identity or religiousness. um religiousness are are factors psychological factors within that, that exist and they can differ dependent on the religious the, the mm-hmm. religion that the person um holds as their belief system Mm-hmm and so
1: that's, that's basically the major point that they made there. They also, in this article, brought up the subfield called theistic psychology, which I thought was very interesting, which is a field dedicated to determine that if there's a God actively involved in the world uh, and whether or not psychological science can gain knowledge about that God or activity um which i thought was i was like people are doing that
0: i mean i think we can answer that question um no no i don't think well but so if they can then that would mean that god is not supernatural right there's not beyond natural awareness because that's kind of the the line you kind of have to walk with like evolution of religion or i think like like psychology of of religion or if you're studying religious systems from a scientific perspective i think that's why these authors maybe argue that we're getting into like religion as a cultural term Mm -hmm. because there are cultural things that you can look at and there are the the effects of those rituals and those behaviors engaging with one's religion that you can look at because these are tangible natural forces the brain is working in a certain way when someone is engaged in intense prayer meditation. We can right. study that; it is natural, it is it is observable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can't study supernatural forces, mm-hmm. and I think that's why, like the, the the perspective of like like when a miracle or some event happens, why a lot of people gain interest in it because it it does seem. To Blur that line, and that's why a lot of people are looking for like natural explanations for it. Um, and in some cases, we can't explain it uh, because we just don't have the information or we can't observe everything that's going on. In some cases, it ends up being uh, naturally explained like that. What was that? That one statue that was like crying, and it turns out it was like a busted sewage line, right? And people were like, you know, touching and like consuming the tears, and it was really bad ah! for them. Um <laughs> but like there's a natural cause to that and and like it it i'm I'm always really fascinated by that because even like the Vatican will go out and investigate these sources because they want to know because right. they want they want to debunk it if it's not if it's unexplainable not Jesus, right and they don't want they don't want they don't want people swindling other people or they don't want right. you know when when it comes to this stuff you know they don't want people stepping in on you know their their territory uh, mm-hmm. but um but yeah, like, it, so if a god is actively involved in the world, then there is a natural aspect, mm-hmm. and we should be able to observe it. And thus far, mm-hmm. besides like the psychological side of things, we have not. <laughs> um, um, I mean, there's, there's, we could say like, oh, you know, that that tornado that touched down was like the finger of God, oh, right? A sight twister. Um, but. You can't really say that um, because there's no evidence to support that. Um, there could be a strong belief. There could be psychological evidence that that person does actually believe that and that belief is, is real to them. But that's kind of that like fine line to walk. And it's a fine line that I've tried to walk when I talk about religion is like, look, there's a lot of stuff we can we can study and understand from a religious standpoint, especially if we're talking social psych, especially if we're talking any anything psych-wise but we have to differentiate like there's stuff that we cannot mm-hmm. study. Um, we do
1: not have the tools
0: to the, deal with that. Yeah, we don't have. <laughs> the, and again, like you could say like, like, well, maybe if you take this, this, this psychedelic substance, you'd be able to commune with God. I'm like, but, but did you, or was it the psychedelic substance?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a, is,
0: have, Yeah.
1: But that's like the distinction that the authors make, right? They're like, there's a difference between the phrases. This person believes God spoke to him, and this person heard God speak to him. And they, like, draw that line very strongly. They're like, one is a psychological claim that we can test.
0: Yes. The other
1: is not. And we have no business dealing with that statement.
0: Right. And, I mean, as, as spicy a take as these authors make, I'm I'm kind of in agreement with that. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I don't think we, it's a we, spicy yeah honestly
0: well for some people I think it is and I think for, for for both reasons I think you have some people who are very strong in wanting to disprove God's existence and there are some people who very strongly want to prove God's existence and it's kind of a futile bashing of heads because
1: and it's it, a desperately yeah. inappropriate arena to do it in
0: <laughs> yes yeah, like, we, I'm going to cannot... become a psychologist
1: and prove God doesn't exist that has <laughs> nothing to do with it. What are you doing?
0: Right, right. <laughs> now you can you can prove benefits and detriments to being involved in these systems. You can show that you can, or you could build support for it or against it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I um, ha- I had a thought. Uh, <laughs> um, it reminded me in one of my research methods classes because I you know I I try to think and I, I use this as an example and I'll when I teach this course again in the fall I'm going to use this as an example. One of these things that I, 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 got, I had a student come up to me and say, you know, I've got an idea on what I want to do my research topic on. I was like, cool, let's hear it. Like, what's your hypothesis? And they were like, abortion is immoral. <laughs> and I was like, you can't study that. And they're yeah. like, why? And I'm like, how do you determine what is moral or immoral? And they were like, what? I was like, I was like so if you really want to go down this path, you can look at psychological differences between people who believe abortion is moral and believe abortion is immoral mm-hmm. or that are pro-choice or anti-choice. Um, you can study that. that, that that is something you can tangibly study, but you cannot mm-hmm. study immorality, uh, immorality <laughs> um, in a true sense because you also don't know. Right. And, and I mean,
1: you, uh, arguably, they could have probably done that as a research paper in, like, philosophy.
0: Yes. Yes. But we need to make it a testable hypothesis right? in psychology. And so you can't test that. You can posit it, and, and deep down, I'm very certain that this student felt that it was immoral and that that was part of their belief system. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But also you need, like, if you're going to study something like that, you also need to detach yourself from it Mm -hmm. because your biases can come out and you want to make sure people aren't going to call your stuff into question based on that. And that's an easy way to do it is just to come up with a a research topic like that. Um, They ended up picking something completely different (laughs) by the end of the semester, but (laughs) less
1: spicy. I ran into that problem with my capstone cognition course as an undergrad Because all my DVs were social psych DVs. They weren't cognition DVs. And so I kept butting heads with my professor Mm. because I was like not understanding the epistemology of cognitive psych. Yeah. That like, oh, I can't study this thing here because this thing can't be dealt with within this field. Right. It has nothing to do with whether the topic's appropriate or not. It's just not even on the table of appropriate or inappropriate.
0: Yeah, I I, look, I I love a student who wants to try to tackle a spicy topic, um, mm-hmm. but we have to do it within the realm of of, of observable, empirical, or empiricism and rationalist. Mm-hmm. So if you can if you can bridge the gaps, if you can make a logical argument, and you can collect some observable data, like we can talk, we can talk all day. Right. Doesn't matter how spicy it is. Um,
1: we can even argue about what is and is not observable data. <laughs>
0: yes that's a that's a huge you know like this is self-report data truly i mean there is an observational level to that because you are collecting something Mm -hmm. but also how well do people know themselves right they may not they're in
1: good faith can they even tell the truth
0: (laughs) right right yeah
1: no no that is i think uh The thing to keep in mind moving forward is that we will be very, I believe, I think we are, we're going to be shifting our epistemology of religion around that may or may not neatly line up within psychological parameters. Just based off of our topic list that we've written out that I feel like we're probably going to like veer a little bit and go some, you know, post-disciplinary lenses on uh, this stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, to study it and to talk about different religious systems and and whatnot, we're definitely going to have to move out of the realm of just pure. We're going to have to talk about what these individuals believe as opposed Mm to what we know for sure. Um,
1: Right. And we'll have to look at some historical trends. So next week, I'm excited because we're going to get our reality check with the historian again.
0: Well, depending on when they're available.
1: Depending on when they're available. I'm assuming. But, you know, it's summer. Chaos reigns. It's 2022. Yep. So we'll see.
0: If not, we'll, we'll be talking about something else.
1: We'll be talking about something. Something will be happening. <laughs> um, But we will be here. Our break is over. Yes. Um. Also, want to give a shout out to my sacred religion class. Because... This is being recorded in May, but y'all will get this recording in July, so I hope you enjoy the season. Good luck. Good
0: luck! (laughs) So I was thinking, maybe for this um, season, semester, Uh we forego our Bias of the Week. (gasps) We lost our sponsor! And replace it with our Theological System of the Week. Oh. I was thinking of, eyebrow. Ah. I was thinking about the theistic psychology that's sort of like, you know, and then kind of like you know, thinking about some of these things like how does Hume or or looking at like the kind of internal view of like how one might represent God and, and how mm-hmm. that, that manifests. Um and it got me thinking about uh one of my I guess favorite definitions i I think for a while maybe i identified as this um i I may have moved past this but um for a while uh because i came across this in a book uh ignosticism so i guess i guess i'll 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 put in our little jingle the beginning there um (laughs) our sponsor same jingle yeah our um our our Theology of the week. I don't know what we'd call it. Um, yeah. But. Um, agnosticism Or. Igtheism. And so. You know. For anyone who's listened to our. Ignoble podcast. Uh, uh, episode. Um, it is the idea. That. To, the, that the question. Of the existence of God. Is meaningless. Ah. Be- because the word God. Has no coherent. And unambiguous definition. Mm. That if you were to ask. A hundred people. Who is God different. you get a hundred different definitions mm. and they're all based on I mean, and there may be a lot of similarities as you know a hundred people here in northern New Mexico there's a lot of Catholics so I'm going to get a very Catholic trending um, mm-hmm.
1: but there's also a lot of new age people here too
0: yeah and so, so they might say God is something else so that, that well, she is
1: the earth exactly
0: yeah, she is the earth mother Yep. Um, yeah, and so it it is, it is kind of an irreligion. It's sort of like a, and and this this was I remember reading this at one point, um, from a woman uh, who was a, a a nun, um, but it actually has its origins, um, from from a Sherman Wine who was a rabbi, and a founding figure of humanistic Judaism. Mm. And so it was coined in 1964, kind of officially. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a theological non-cognitivism. Okay. Um, or agnosticism is similar to theological non-cognitivism, where it basically says every theological position assumes too much about the concept of God. Okay. And until we kind of all sit down and pen down what God is, no one can truly know what God is. Okay. It is an ambiguous, you know that that um, it claims to have uh, theological non-cognitivist uh, claims to have no concept, whatever to label as a concept of God. Um, but the relationship, let's see, uh, yeah. But the relationship to agnosticism and other non-theistic views is a little unclear. So it does kind of say like the like, it's, it's almost kind of agnostic, like there could be, but like how do we define God?
1: Right. Well. We're not even at the point where we can posit that God exists or could exist. Like that possibility hasn't even opened up yet because we don't even know what a God is.
0: Yes, yeah. Okay. It's been compared to both weak atheism and agnosticism. For cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but other people, uh, philosophers, consider it to be distinct because it is kind of saying, like, well, yeah. Look, like we can we can talk about. The concept of God, but we got to we got to pin down a definition first. Like we need an operational definition of God. Like mm. as, as good scientists, when you're like, these people believe okay. in God. Like, well, okay, what is an operational definition of God?
1: Two things about this. The first one, it says that we privilege the well, we assume too much about God. The first thing is, is they assume too much about the question about God. I mean. And then secondly, because they're forcing an operational definition, would this not just be a scientism? Scienticism? Scientism? Where we're over-prioritizing natural observation within a spiritual context.
0: It, it has been compared to, like, parody religions and non-religions for that reason. Okay. It, it seems to be, I would maybe argue, it seems to be a good... uh Bridging gap, uh, gap between like I was Christian and now I'm like a secular humanist.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's kind of like I don't know. I feel like it's the maybe not the surrender line, but like the stalemate line.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's it's not it, it's it's maybe a I don't know. Would you say it's maybe a step past agnosticism? Because agnosticism, you're kind of like on that middle line. You're like saying like there could be there, i don't know and so i'm not going to think about it like this is saying like i can't even start thinking about it right until we define it mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean there's definitely some
1: is that even possible though because if we go with the dawkins that religion's a meme then you do have a definition of god
0: but you understand that everyone can have a slight different variation of that meme. And until we have yeah. one solidified meme, um, we can't say for sure. Because your your definition might be off. Um, I, it,
1: but the memes don't work that way. We all experience memes and slight variations, but, but they're still meaningful in the way that they convey that piece of cultural information, right? So, like, we can both look at Pepe the Frog. And have slightly different interpretations and feelings about it. But we both kind of hit that essence of meaning, regardless yeah. of how we get to it. And so if God is a meme, then we can have different experiences, but share that mm-hmm. essence inside. So this might just be like a bunch of highbrow, like deconstruction buffoonery.
0: <laughs> yeah, it also comes across to me a lot like... um again like i said like that that gap that that i'm i'm in the transition but i'm mm-hmm. kind of afraid to take that next step because of the meme that exists because i i'm i'm within let's say a christian system or a muslim system who believes in a god a, a chief mm-hmm. deity um but also like i'm questioning that and so this is a really kind of like easy way out it's easier i don't maybe it's easier than agnosticism because agnosticism and maybe you don't think about it in this case you're thinking about it a lot you're thinking about it too much
1: maybe but also this seems like the unmoored sign and signifier problem where like i don't know that like a cup and the word cup are dislodged because cup can mean anything, and we don't agree what a cup is. And I'm like, okay, but you're still drinking water.
0: <laughs> those darn, those darn postmodernists.
1: Yeah, like that's kind of like it seems like a thought experiment, but I don't yeah. know if I would call it like something, like at least agnosticism, you're open. Yes, and like you've you've yes. staked your flag in some ground. Yeah, and that's like, that's why I'm I here I think and this I can is move the flag. But I'm here right now. Yeah, I think and this, this is one's like God's cups, computers. Yeah. What's linguistics?
0: I think this is past agnosticism. This is for that person who's probably a secular humanist or an atheist, mm-hmm. um, or, or both, um, and is is moving past that point, but doesn't want the identity.
1: Maybe, yeah. It, it
0: makes me think of like the um, the independent voter <laughs> and how a lot of people are like, I'm independent. And like, if you pull them, they tend to lean one way. Yeah. But they don't, it's it's not that they're against like liberal or conservative views, it's that they don't want to identify with the, the Republicans or Democrats in the United mm. States. And because they don't want to identify, so you have someone who doesn't want to identify as Christian, but doesn't want to identify as an atheist,
1: so they choose agnostic.
0: They find so this. They choose, yes, yeah. yeah. They find like non theism or agnosticism or, um, agnosticism. They, they choose one of these, uh, variations. Um, ooh, this is going to be our next one or one of them down the line. But,
1: well, I pick the next one and I already know which one it is. Okay.
0: You'll pick the next one. <laughs> so, no, I, I just, I figured maybe this would be a little interesting because I think maybe we can, like, pick apart some of these um, and, and talk about them a little more. than we could talk about some of our biases. So we only have a couple that remain.
1: Right. We're running um, dry on the biases. Because the biases just repeat themselves sometimes. It's... I'm like, is this a heuristic? Is it a bias? Did somebody do this in the 40s and you're mad? So you renamed it. It's
0: so, like... yeah. <laughs> so So moving forward, this is going to be our ism of the week. The ism of the week, a religious ism of the week, um, or a theological ism of the week, and we'll uh, we'll 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 bring something for the next couple of weeks for this.
1: Sounds
0: sounds good. I don't know. Any any last thoughts? Agnosticism.
1: uh, Uh, Daddy Peterson would say some postmodern bullshit,
0: (laughs) (laughs) or just not answer the question about. God well what do you mean no he he is an agnostic what do you mean by God?
1: what do you mean by God? what is god
0: what like <laughs> but but you have to but you have to understand your definition of God
1: we have to operationalize
0: we have to op we have to first operationalize what we mean by Jesus <laughs> anyway anyway
1: Are um about the historical figure or the great archetype in the there we go chaotic- of the collective unconscious.
0: I think by talking about agnosticism, we have learned something about one of the thinkers. The
1: premier psychologists of the 21st century. Uh, he
0: is indeed a psychologist.
1: <laughs> In the 21st century. In the
0: 21st century.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, okay, I'll close it there. <laughs>
0: yeah, and on that note, um, goodbye.
1: Goodbye.